Hello, hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, uh, and of course, good mid-afternoon with the first sun, but evening with the third sun, in case you are listening on a planet with two suns. Which this we know is, is at least 20% of our listening base. And for those of you who actually haven't uh, figured it out already, this is the most esteemed emperor of the internet, Joshua Norton II. And this is Cerberus, the resident normal person. And today we will actually have a bit of a more a positive topic than we've uh, had in the past. And uh, the topic as such is named Dina, Atypical A+. Yes, it's a Dina episode. Which I'm sure that everyone is just shouting yay a lot uh, right now, because after all, Dina is one of the favorite uh, people in the entire Dumbing of H universe. Yeah, I think... I think she might actually be more thought well of and like kind of like kind of protected from uh than even like Joyce. And uh if we, if we get to, to it like Dina is sort of protected because partially uh, because for a while she acted like she was a fair bit younger than she really is and uh, People do tend to want to protect young ones. That's just part of who we are, really. At least part of who we are, those of us who are not assholes, that is. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, as we also find out, uh, eventually she's actually growing a lot. And she's uh, experienced, perhaps uh, apart from, again, Joyce, uh, some of the biggest leaps of growth uh, during the... Uh, run of the comic yeah definitely um and if you kind of look at kind of her earliest uh appearance um it you can sort of see where the core of dina is and kind of how dina's kind of um expanded from that point um so like the first comic would be um I, i'm pretty sure the first uh comic that she appears in that she actually has a speaking role in um, is Apology, where uh, Mike has based on, which is on November 29th, 2010. And Mike has, um, Ethan has just been asking about Dina and kind of uh, as Amber's roommate. And Mike basically goes, uh, opens up the door after Amber says, Dina, oh, she's standing behind the door. And uh, Dina basically goes, I'm, it's fine. Don't worry about it. It was nice meeting you. And then immediately hides back behind the door again. Indeed. Uh, I'm sure that someone will mention it, so I might as well get it out of the way. Strictly speaking, she has already spoken a slightly bit, but uh, it was not, I would say, uh, a speaking role in which we got established that it's Dina. It was more that uh, she was just the person chosen to be the setup for the punchline in the word pun, uh, where she figures out why they are actually calling people ruthless oh yeah that was the that was earlier than that one wasn't it <laughs> yeah all right uh like i said i just did it because otherwise some other pedant would have pointed it out in the comments eventually so uh yeah you're too late people and and it's and it's proof i do sometimes get things wrong with uh <laughs> with uh remembering when things were yes uh anyway the thing about Dina, and 
here's the thing. Uh, since I am not professional uh, psychologist or psychiatrist or any of these, I did study psychology for a year, but they didn't really take. But uh, this is something that I will come back to in other episodes too. But I am loath to normally use uh uh medical terms and but there is one term about dina that i read a few weeks back a neurotypical and i just love that term because atypical is not necessarily something wrong it's just not typical and in fact it's often typical that is something that is wrong and that is what i really see dina as she's just atypical but there i don't really see much particularly wrong with her she just happens to see things from a different view than most of the rest of the world. Uh, but she still has emotions. She still has empathy for people. She just needs to attack it from a different angle than most of us do. That's uh, how I view Dina in general. Mm. And that's probably what we are going to uh, uh, go into depth with uh, all the strips about her uh, that we that we are going to comment on. Oh, yeah. And I think I'm pretty sure it's um, confirmed by Willis, like um, the like a specific diagnosis has never been confirmed by him, but he has confirmed that she's basically at least neurodivergent um, or neuroatypical kind of like basically that her means of kind of understanding the world is definitely not what um, would be kind of seen in someone who was neurotypical, who had that kind of privilege. Um, but she's definitely very, when she kind of, um, and like a lot of people I think have, um, argued that she's probably very likely on the autism spectrum, or at least people who've been on the autism spectrum have said they've seen a lot of kind of representation in Dina and how she kind of, uh, engages with the world. And she's very analytical about it when she's kind of, um, when she's kind of forced to kind of, when, yeah, she's very analytical about it and sometimes very, um, worried about how she's kind of perceived, um, by people and by the things that she kind of sees. Like, um, there's the comic, uh, Weird on August 28th, 2012. And it's, uh, basically there's just been a, um, mall trip with Sarah and Joyce and Billy and in it an incident occurred that we'll probably go into much much more detail into um, but basically she ends up getting kind of condescended to by Ryda and her crew and her response after that is some people at the mall said some things about me I had never really considered how others perceived me before I know I have trouble understanding people, but I thought other people do too, and they were just better at hiding it. And so, yeah, and then basically uh, Amber kind of responds, forget what those jokes said. I used to be a social mess too, but I worked at it, and now I'm much less shy and awkward. And Dina's like, okay. And then, for example, I learned that you should look people in the eye, not in the mouth. And then Dina's like, but that's what's moving. Exactly. And this is uh, a very, very Dina moment in so many ways. Uh, first of all, that she almost immediately is someone who, if someone says something is strange or off with her, 
she doesn't go on the defensive uh, Im immediately like we are all want to do. She immediately starts to analyze it. Are am I weird? Am I strange? What should I do to change this? That that is basically Dina in a nutshell in that strip right there, and. Uh, mm. And uh, it, it's uh, that is probably why she's the one who has been showing so much so much growth in the series because she is always willing to improve herself, and that that is something that uh, keeps on going um, with uh, first mostly with Amber and then later on with Sarah that uh, mm -hmm. she. They are the two people she uh, talks to about how she wants to improve herself uh, over and over and over. And uh, that is uh, both very admirable, like so many of us could probably consider how to improve ourselves a bit more often. And uh, at the same time, it's that the way that like uh, she does that also so very analytical and in a detached manner uh, most of the time although sometimes you can see how things do get to her uh, and uh, and and uh, provokes emotions from her as well when when she sees how other people perceive her mm -hmm. and uh, of course uh, that would lead me to uh, one of the most uh, doofus moments in the history of the strip was when Dina uh, decided oh, was when Amber decided to teach Dina how to do sympathy via light physical contact. That's one of the classic strips ever, which I haven't actually found yet. The, we also know that Dina loves dinosaurs. That is for certain. And I'll just go straight into the strip piano, January 17th, 2013. Uh, in which uh, Sarah discovers that uh, Dina is playing Jurassic Park. And uh, this is something where we uh, discover something else about Dina in that she is capable of enjoying something while at the same time analyzing the flaws it has. But, uh, but uh, just because something has a flaw doesn't mean it's completely, uh, it's completely off. And, and that's something that... Um, that's something that we should uh, be more aware of with uh, entertainment in general. Like, we have to be able to consider the flaws of entertainment without necessarily throwing it all on the trash at the same time. I think perhaps one of the uh, better instances is the original comic, uh, Batman the Killing Joke, made by Alan Moore. In general, I like that story. It's a good story, but it has that one part one problematic moment of a woman being sexually abused uh, by being taken pictures of, not to torment the woman, but as a plot device to torment her father. It's the man that's actually being tormented by this. That's a problematic moment, but it's still a good uh, story in general. So, uh, Yeah, the, uh, the, the treatment of Barbara Gordon in that comic is 
so bad that uh, Alan Moore himself is actually like, yeah, I hate, I actually kind of hate Killing Joke now because of that moment, <laughs> which was kind of an true. interesting thing. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, but uh, but no, like the idea of like um, things being flawed and you can still kind of enjoy them. Like, yeah, that definitely hits a lot of uh, kind of the right buttons for me is like, because I mean, very rarely you're going to encounter something that is absolutely flawless and never has an awkward moment or puts an awkward foot forward. And for the most part, it's a matter of just kind of enjoying what you do enjoy and then like critiquing the parts that are like, hmm, no, yeah. not that. <laughs> but of course, I mean, it, it's just a matter of saying that you can enjoy Jurassic Park superficially as a cornerstone of mainstream dinosaur-themed entertainment, but you cannot necessarily fully endorse it due to several paleontological errors, which you may list. And I imagine number one is no feathers with no feathers in capital letters with underlines. <laughs> and a few exclamation marks behind it. <laughs> then again, don't. maybe not. This is Dina. She's not very exclamation mark type of person. Okay. Yeah. Just, just one emphatic underline. Like, okay. Like, and it's all in lowercase too. It's just no feathers, underline. <laughs> Like Dina acknowledges that entertainment isn't meant to be scientifically flawless, uh, which uh, is probably just as well because uh, if we were all like that, then no entertainment would ever be produced. Mm -hmm. Then again, maybe we'd finally get some scientifically good entertainment for once. So maybe we should start <laughs> acting like that. Yeah. And it's interesting, like um, for so long, uh, Dina's basically been that dinosaur girl. To the point where the comic itself is kind of made fun of that at times. Um, but I always find interesting is when Dina first kind of laid out why dinosaurs has been the thing that uh, she's been so like obsessed with and has uh, that has so captivated her in all moments. Um, and it's the comic Missing Out on August 1st, 2012. And it's basically, they're at the mall, things have gone poorly uh, with Sarah and Ryda, and Dina basically goes, I don't know much about people. I prefer dinosaurs. I've never been able to understand people, but dinosaurs are extinct. They're fixed in time, letting me learn about them without them changing constantly before my eyes. And then Sarah, you know, curmudgeon that she is, goes, but I do understand people. That's why I hate them. And Dina goes, good, so I'm not missing anything. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's, uh, that's a typical Dina and Sarah moment, which has set the tone for practically all the strips they have been together in ever since. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but yeah, that's it's... That's why uh, Sarah is Dina's second favorite. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, and it's also like... Uh, uh, after the events of uh, Amber's uh, absolute asshole dad, again, Dina starts blaming herself for what happened. And that is something she does to a fault, I would say, because she's even doing it when she cannot possibly be held responsible for what transpires. And... Uh, uh, as we know, uh, what happens was that uh, Blaine came to see on Amber and uh, Blaine was typical uh, full asshole dad uh, mode. And afterwards, Dina is all about uh, 
apologizing and uh, in the strip complicit October 31st, mm -hmm. 2013. I fear I was complicit in the events which transpired yesterday. I should have been more firm with my parents when they wanted to let your father into the room. I didn't appreciate the severity of his assholitude. Uh, great word there. <laughs> and it, it feels like she's making that word and I believe she did make that word right out of thin air right there. Uh, she didn't do it as a joke. She just analytically uh, figured out the linguistic ways of putting uh, asshole attitude into one word in a matter of uh, just a couple of seconds and, uh, and, uh, quite, uh, and quite rationally decided what to go for. <clears throat> but... Uh, but it's like uh, she's always she's already blaming herself for something she could not possibly understand because, uh, for one thing, we never saw how Blaine acted before he actually met Amber, and there's no reason that uh, there's no reason that he necessarily gave off a good vibe that normal people or uh, people that pretend to be normal, I should say. Pretend normal people would be able to read out of him if they'd never met him before. Uh, and Amber... Uh, yeah, and I mean, um, it's... Amber says, you're just you, you're not the problem. And But then Dina is all, all just, I must disagree, Amber. I feel me being me is the problem. And uh, that is possibly one of the saddest Dina strips that has ever been because, I mean... Dina is so adorable, and I don't want her to be sad about herself like that. Yeah, and the interesting thing is she always takes it very seriously when she feels she's failed people in some way. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the, the kind of um, reality of abuse is... Many times abusers are very good at seeming perfectly or being perfectly friendly to people who are not their intended victim. It's part of how they survive is basically coming off at the very least relatively personable. Um, and so people kind of discount their um, kind of what what they would be doing in uh, in private. Um, like, oh, this person might oh, this person might get angry or this person might be intense, but they're like, oh, they, they would never. What's interesting, though, is um, when she does feel like she's failed at something, she keeps it strongly in her mind and vows to do better. Like, that comic strip happened, uh, was written in 2013. Um, and so weeks later in the comic, at that point, like we get to uh, her meeting uh, Toadad, and her response is completely different. And she shows that kind of understanding and training and recognition of what happened with um, Amber, and it it haunts her. Like in the strip, likely, which was on August six, two thousand fifteen. So two years later in the comic, uh, in our time, uh, Toadad's like. At looking for his daughter, his daughter and Becky, and he's going. Her friend's college is a likely place my daughter would have escaped to. 
Have you seen her or not? And Dina literally has a flashback of uh, Amber saying, Dina, I told you about my father. Why did you let him in here? And like, she looks away. She's uh, heartbroken at that. And she basically kind of inter uh, interrupts his attempt to kind of find Dina, uh, find Becky and um, promises, and I will take you. I've seen your daughter. I have. And I will take you to her. Like, when, when she feels she has made a mistake, she spends, she makes sure she doesn't make that same mistake ever again. Yep, that is, uh, that is indeed uh, a very important aspect of Dina, that she wants to do the right thing. Uh, there are, there are a few people in the Dumbing of Age universe that are also like that. Joyce in her mm -hmm. way, Amber in her rather disturbed way, I'm afraid, but <laughs> Dina is definitely up there with want to do the right thing for other people. And uh, even though she's starting out with, uh, with uh, basically uh, certain drawbacks in terms of being able to help people efficiently, but then again, she has the advantages of recognizing those drawbacks in the way that most people don't easily do, uh, at least not until they grow a bit older and uh, hopefully slightly wiser. Mm. And then, of course, there's the fact that Dina, on the introvert-extrovert extro scale, is uh, quite firmly on the introvert side, uh, which is uh, which is most evident in Joyce's little room party, uh, where Joyce has, uh, yes, uh, has the room a party. The dorm room party, which uh, started off one of the most adorable doofus relationships ever indeed. Oh, we have to cover Dina Becky because, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, but um, the fun thing here is that uh, uh, before she really starts talking to Becky, uh, mm. in the strip Acquainted, May 29, 2015, where she's having uh, what I would describe as a bit of an anxiety attack, I, I suppose. Uh, other um, people might correct me on that. I'm, I'm pretty sure um, this is um, overstimulation problem. Like, overstimulation, okay. Um, because yeah. I think uh, I think um, Ethan even comes in like with, uh, oh, is this social anxiety? And um, I'm pretty sure like Dean is kind of like, no, 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 I'm, I'm just... Uh, like, yeah, no, I do not want to go home. Everything is just exciting, overwhelming. There is so much. But I am happy. Do not take me home. I, I am having fun. And so, yeah, it's um, like that. That's I think one of the arguments that Dean is on the spectrum comes from that, that um, like that's a thing that can kind of happen is when there's too much stimulation to kind of focus on all at once, that can cause like a complete shutdown as the brain tries to like process all of it. Yeah, that too. And uh, also, when it comes to the whole introvert-extrovert scale, uh, the best description I have ha uh, seen of how it is, it's uh, feeling like being with other people drains your energy versus feeling that they actually empowers you. And uh, yes, she's having fun, but it's also draining uh, her mental energy. That much is clear. Uh and it keeps being drained, but she keeps being there because she's still uh, having uh, a good time after all. She, she's definitely forcing herself. And then she ends up meeting someone who suddenly starts 
energizing her being with her and mm -hmm. uh, uh, in the strip dinosaurs of course a strip with dina would have been named dinosaur sooner or later mm -hmm. uh, just a few days later and there is this uh, red-haired girl that notices someone wearing uh, a jacket over the head and a hat on top of the jacket. And uh, this innocent red-haired -haired girl uh, asks, do you want to talk about dinosaurs? And, and this uh, is clearly a random character who has no importance to the plot. Exactly. And then Dina starts talking about her favorite subject, dinosaurs, of course. And uh, this other random red-haired person keeps asking questions and shows interest in the subject and also just allows Dina to speak uh, at her uh, at her own pace and suddenly this random person starts energizing Dina's mental levels and gets her out of the jacket mm -hmm. and uh, and that is why like uh, like so many other people uh, I I am personally not one or the other i am both i am both introvert and extrovert in social situations where i'm not comfortable i'm drained i drained so fast that uh, it would like uh, someone sitting under a bathtub with a giant straw and actively sucking at it to, to drain it all much faster uh, but give me the situations where i'm comfortable in which is mainly board game meetings then i am king of the freaking world and uh, i i may even be the kind of person that ends up draining other people instead <laughs> i will admit and uh, and that yeah, is I'm, probably I'm 100% introvert <laughs> yeah uh so and that is also most uh, evident uh, uh about a month later in the strip unfettered august 22nd where uh, Dina is talking yes. to this. Oh, it's the same red-haired girl. Who knew? It she shows to... up a lot. Uh, it's weird. Yeah. Popping uh, up here and there. Yeah, but it turns out that uh, while Becky was uh, looking for jobs, she was also looking up for information about dinosaurs. And uh, and while Dina was initially exhausted from all the social interactions because like i said it uh, it drains her more than it empowers her and then suddenly this random redhead girl comes back and uh, shows that she's even go that she's growing even more interested in dinosaurs thanks to dina and suddenly there's that one person that oops power levels at 100 percent mm -hmm. yep that is uh Dina's introvert extrovert scale. If it's about dinosaurs, she will get uh, all that way up to a hundred percent. And uh, I would have said beyond, but then she would probably have said, "You can't go beyond a hundred percent." So yeah, I won't. Dina would call you out on that. She would. Well, <laughs> she most definitely would. Uh, yeah, and the relationship between Dina and Becky is. Is probably uh, one of the absolutely cutest yeah. relationships uh, in web comics ever, uh, because it is a relationship between one who is pretty much always used to simply saying straight out what she means, uh, because mm -hmm. she doesn't really understand subtlety. She uh, generally is not good at sarcasm. She has to be taught by another 
quite introvert person how to do uh, sympathy via light physical contact on non-bathing suit areas, by the way, mm -hmm. of course. Of course. And then we have a person whose life has been nothing but subterfuge for most of her life to hide mm -hmm. who she is uh, in one way or another. Uh, and who therefore is really, really bad at just saying what it is she wants, saying what it is she feels. And uh, that, of course, leads to a lot of... Uh, a lot of uh, silly situations between them. Yeah, but what I love is what they bring out of each other and what they're not getting anywhere else. Like you said, Becky, everything like everything she's had to live in her life is subterfuge. And then she has this partner who needs direct, honest communication and to which Becky's style of direct, honest communication, when she kind of lets herself have it, is strongly rewarded. <laughs> Um, and for Dina, like she's used to having people kind of see her obsessions with dinosaurs, seeing her idiosyncrasies with, um, her ability to kind of perceive emotions as these like things she needs to apologize for that there's something she has to overcome and make up for. And here's this girl who a hundred percent just accepts her the way she is and finds her captivating and interesting and super hot and doesn't view her as this kind of child doesn't view her as like doesn't view her basis of information as being embarrassing um or her means of kind of being excited about that information embarrassing and is genuinely interested in what dina has to say and i think that it's that base that really gives them strength as uh, as a couple um, as as Becky as Becky says in that in that dinosaurs comic you referenced earlier, um, Dina goes, "Hold on, you're Joyce's friend from a religious homeschooling. Do you not object to scientific dating methods?" And Becky goes, "I don't know. I just kind of like it when you talk to me." Yep, and uh, and and uh, of course, then a few strips later, you mentioned that uh, that indeed Becky is the first person to not see Dina as a child basically because then in the mm -hmm. strip safe june 21st 2015 and um and becky's all about uh she's uh she's been you know flirting with uh with dina and so on and which dina has uh of course not noticed at all nope. because it's dina <laughs> and everyone else is like that's weird come on she actually looks like 12 but dina is having nothing of it she is not a child. I am not a child. Just because I have trouble sometimes does not mean I am not an adult. I am just as competent for my actions as any of you, albeit under sober circumstances. And frankly, I would say that uh, Dina is probably more competent for her actions than most of the other people in that room, uh, even when they mm. are sober. Oh, yeah. And um, yeah, and then that would that would be the comic uh, hypotheses, the next one after safe. And yeah, and, and that's kind of like what I love most of all, of all about their relationship is that it is so consistent with consent and um, showing consent at every single step of kind of like, um, like the moves have to, like the moves are 
are there, but like nothing's kind of pressed against anyone's comfort levels and um like her competency and her consent is a hundred percent valued and kind of it has it doesn't have to be babied like oh your sexuality has to be consistently questioned which is unfortunately yeah if, if she is um if she is on the spectrum that is something that ends up affecting a lot of spectrum people is having every single one of their sexual and kind of intellectual decisions kind of questioned um consistently and constantly <laughs> yeah and uh, speaking of consent i mean Dina is definitely possibly one of the biggest persons on uh, consent in the entire comic. Mm -hmm. Again, because Dina is A plus, she's awesome uh, to the max. And uh, she's even uh, she's even very careful about that whole sympathy via physical contacting uh, in the strip goodwill when uh, when Becky is actually uh, quite a bit down. Uh, about her whole situation, Dina first does simply hand on the shoulder uh, and does the sympathy via light physical contact, and then she looks at Becky and she's clearly reading into Becky's face. She's reading it into a way that she has not had to before because she spent her time improving herself and she can see that Becky needs more, and therefore it ends with sympathy via heavy physical contact. She's embracing Becky. But she didn't just go to the heavy physical. She did the light one first, because that's the safer one. And then by getting full consent from Becky via with body language, then she moved on to sympathy via heavy physical contact. Yeah, that's... That is just such a like a consistent thing that you kind of uh, see from Becky. Like she definitely kind of checks in regularly and kind of confirms things, but she also has a partner who's going to like also kind of back her consents and her boundaries and kind of things off. Um, the comic, um, so there's the comic uh, nearing where, or not the comic nearing, um, the comic. Uh, misreading on August 27th, 2015, where she kind of freaks out about Becky just kind of smiling gently in her direction and worrying like, oh wait, is this a kissing moment? Oh wait, is this delay mean that she doesn't like me at all? And kind of like freaking out about it and it's like, you will kiss me. And then Becky's like, oh yes, I will. I am 100% okay with this. <laughs> and they kiss. And later on, um, after Dina kind of gets super overwhelmed by the kiss in a happy way and uh the comic nodding on august 30th 2015 um becky's kind of like backed off and is gone you nodding off and dina's basically mumbling different dinosaurs and becky's like yeah i should probably get back to my room it's late and i don't have billy's key or anything let me grab a pillow for you lights out see you tomorrow and she kind of thinks of dinosaurs as becky kind of puts the pillow under her arm, quietly leaves the room, turns off the light for her, and then the last thought Dean ends up having is Becky and the list of tiny dinosaur names. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that is definitely one of the, that whole situation, so much adorable. Uh, I'd just like to go back to the kiss itself, the strip nearing to this uh, before, mm -hmm. and uh, like, how Dina is for 
three panels, she's still being all analytical. She's all trying to think about things in a rational manner. And then the kiss happens and all rational manners just boom, disappears like that. That was what it took to uh, get Dina into pure emotional mode. And hopefully mm -hmm. it wasn't because Becky had bad breath. <laughs> though that is Becky's though we do see briefly Becky's inner monologue and that's what she's worried about <laughs> exactly and uh, th that is so, so like yeah the person who can make all of your rational thought just go out the window like that that is probably uh, a good person for you to be with as long as they treat <laughs> you well and uh, thankfully Becky treats Tina well so yeah that is yeah. one of just one of the most fantastic, uh, fantastic couplings. I also just would like to go into the strip downer August 13th because I, I just love the little oh, photo. Yes. Uh, like, again, Dina says, uh, keeps talking about how she knows that she, like, uh, she cannot uh, read clues. Although, as we talked about just the strip before, she's she has indeed learned how to read some clues at least uh, but uh, and also it says you can be however you like around me and i think i would like you to be around me a lot and like that's her version of flirting and it, which is so cute because other mm -hmm. people flirting tries to i don't know show off as some sort of uh confidence or show uh, be suave or something but she's just being so adorably honest about it with her cute little smile and she even admits that she doesn't really know how to flirt but that's how she's flirting mm -hmm. in such a straightforward manner that allows i mean it uh, i think the reason people try to put up confidence and suaveness when they flirt is because they are afraid of being seen as vulnerable but mm -hmm. at least dina is not afraid of that she's just this is what she wants and therefore that's it, it she's going to say it outright and then whatever happens will happen mm -hmm. and yeah she and like i don't think she would see the point of doing kind of like the suave kind of like putting up that um ideal self as this like kind of suave person for the other person to fall in love with because it's like well at the end of the day it's like yeah that's way too much effort to have to keep track of or i could just be me and see where that goes <laughs> unless being me in her mind is going to escalate a negative situation in a bad way that's going to hurt people she cares about um and yeah i i, I definitely love that that's that that's a main part of her way of interacting with the world. <laughs> and since you brought up kind of that comic downer, um, I just love the representation of Dina because, like, it's not confirmed in the comic, but I am 100% behind an ace headcanon or an ace spectrum headcanon for Dina. Like, not necessarily asexual, but definitely somewhere in the gray ace or demisexual kind of spectrum. And one of the big reasons is kind of like just the little bits that come up here and there that kind of hint that Dina doesn't really have sexual desire, or at least not to the degree that other people do. Um, in fact, in the Downer comic, she goes, 
Um, oh, yeah, Becky's like, he wants to hang around someone who's rejected homeless and a bummer. Nobody, that's who. Folks can sniff that on you from miles away. And Dina's like, I cannot. I am not sure I work that way. You can be however you like around me. And then she says a sweet line. It's like, your tote's flirting with me, right? This is you flirting with all the parts of me that know how, which are few. True. I mean, I, I could argue that uh, she's just uh, the I cannot. I'm not sure. I work that way is also a part of how Dina is generally one of the least judgmental people. She doesn't care about social status or anything like that. She cares about the the person mm -hmm. themselves, the core of the person wants to take away all the superficial bullshit that we all surround ourselves with. That's what that's the only thing that matters for Dina. Oh yeah, but I mean there's but, also but at the same time uh uh, if we now go back a bit, I can yes. definitely uh, uh, in a comic. I'm sure you have almost read it. It's called Overstepped. Indeed, yep. that's the exact <laughs> one. Uh, January where... 11th, 2015. <laughs> yep, uh, I've yet to experience these inclinations myself. Is probably the line that uh, suggests that. Yeah, she. Like when you're 18, 19, even if you haven't found a person that you wish to have sexual experiences with, uh, at least you probably experienced the emotions of being aroused at some point. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, that's what she hasn't had much of. That's what uh, Becky sort of awoke in her eyes, I suppose. Uh, uh, but well, uh, to, to definitely. Romantic attraction has been awoken. It's it's on the fence yeah. whether or not Dina is is sexually attracted to Becky yet, or even if that matters to either Dina or Becky. Um, and yeah, I think That's I, true. I definitely. I definitely uh, sorry. <laughs> nah, I I was actually interrupting you there. Keep on. Oh, um, I definitely identify very strongly with um, that whole that whole second half of. Um, Dina's thing of like, I think I understand. I have overstepped the, our bounds of intimacy. I apologize. I've yet to experience these inclinations myself, though they fascinate me in a clinical sense. Someday I would like to attempt it, but I would have to take copious notes. Like, um, this resonates so hard for me because like, yeah, I am asexual. I've never experienced sexual attraction ever. I have heard about it enough from friends, from partners, so on, to know, like, okay, yes, there's this very common life experience that I have just never felt. And yeah, it is very kind of similar to that of like, yeah, I've never experienced these inclinations, but like, I've always been kind of fascinated by it because I haven't experienced it, where I've tried to understand it a lot. And as an asexual who has sex, like I feel, I feel very strongly to. I feel very similar to Dina in this comic of like, yeah, I am fascinated by this. I am totally down for doing this. And like that was how I was when I was uh, like eighteen, nineteen. You know, and I will do a bunch of research. So if that eventuality comes up, I will be well prepared. <laughs> that was kind of how I approached it. <laughs> so. I was I was fist bumping I was fist uh, putting my fist in the air a lot for this comic. This was like yay, a Spectrum Dina. <laughs> Indeed, uh, 
Now, I guess she's probably on this slightly different portal on the scale than exactly where you are, because, uh, mm. like I said, once she does at least kiss Becky, uh, it appears that it does evoke awake something in her, but I will not try to speculate exactly what. Uh, but uh, something that at least erases all rational thoughts from her brain for a while. Uh, which uh, tends to be how, uh, when you're kissing the right person, that is how it tends to feel like. Mm -hmm. And a strong romantic um, feeling um, or just an, um, an emotional feeling of happiness can also feel very overwhelming as well and can kind of produce a similar like, eee, this is nice. <laughs> Even if it's not necessarily sexual in, or in, in nature, I can attest from personal experience <laughs> and but thing anyways. is and, and no matter uh, like they i think willis himself said that we probably won't uh have them have dean and becky have sex in the life of the comic because uh, they will approach things so slowly so gently so asking every single step of the way uh, uh asking each other uh, where to go next uh, mm -hmm. most of the time that uh, they will probably not uh, get naked together before the comic has ended. Oh, yeah. And I could definitely see that. And... Which, which, is, which, of course, I mean, it's nice that, like, uh, he understands, well, he should, he, may, he created the characters, but uh, that, uh, yeah, th these two people uh, are, it comes back to the whole constant thing, like, they are so aware of tr trying not to overstep the bounds of the other person uh that it's it's really so cute to see how a proper consent works mm. in uh in a relationship as opposed to joe which does not really work at all uh yeah, yeah. And, and i think uh, my oh sorry <laughs> yeah so uh and that brings me to one of the more recent strips, in fact, and yep. uh, the whole situation uh, about Dina's hat and Becky wanting yeah. to see Dina's hat. Now and there were several. Can I, can I set the uh, context for this? Like, it's amazing because this ends up being this whole arc where Becky messes up consent, like um, Dina's hat, the way she wants it, the way she approaches it is actually starts going in really bad consent directions and how it resolves kind of reinforces that central idea of them valuing that consent. So, yeah. And it's, uh, it's, uh, it's very interesting in many ways because, uh, like you said, uh, the whole thing started with that Becky wanted to see Dina without her hat. Joyce didn't really understand it, but uh, we understand that it's basically an act of intimacy. And for Becky, mm -hmm. the intimacy has also sexual undertones, at least to begin with, because what is hidden, what is forbidden, is attractive to Becky. Uh, mm -hmm. And then uh, she goes on with trying uh, several different types of excuses to make Dina... Uh, Take off her hat, and then we come to this. Uh, uh, some come to the uh, actual turning point, starting with applications, which basically uh, 
Dina notices that Becky is not looking at her eyes. Now, in most situations, uh, it would be that uh, someone would be looking a bit further down, which also is bad, by the way, when you're trying to establish eye contact with a person. But uh, Becky is just looking at the hat, and Dina notices it because, for one thing, as we have established, Dina is very self-conscious, very, very self-conscious, and she works with herself a lot. And uh, she knows that she doesn't like eye contact most of the time. And therefore, mm -hmm. she very easily notices how other people approach eye contact. And, uh, and then she's actually becoming a bit uh, concerned about how Becky's not looking at Dina's eyes uh, as a trend. And, uh, and that finally forces Becky to be honest which, mm -hmm. uh, of course, Becky is in panic mode. She's in full panic mode and therefore just goes so more honestly than uh, than one could ever have asked for, really. Saying, yes. I want to rip off that hat, eat it and run my gosh dang face through your naked scalp as every single possible lady syrup erupts out of me like my body's a berserk coke freestyle machine. Yep. And if it hadn't been such a long sentence, that would have been a great book title. <laughs> yeah and, like, and, uh, and uh, yeah. But, uh, but then like uh, in the next strip top five it's like you dislike mm. the hat but uh, then she finally affirms like oh geez no your hat's like in my top five favorite Dina things out of a billion and then after she was sort of forced to being honest comes the actual mm. real request in which Becky is blushing and she's very very careful and I would just like to see your head without your hat. And finally, we get Becky back on track there. And, mm -hmm. and that request, that final request there, is absolutely as respectful as they could it could possibly be. And yeah. after Dina then, uh, then gives three uh, is... an admonishment, a well-deserved admonishment yeah. that you should have just asked me plainly, and then Dina is being uh, Dina as she has been taught by Becky. Uh, mm -hmm. Because I also apologize for I will not be ready to uncover my head until my wedding night. <laughs> <laughs> and Becky is, again, this is a good constant practice because she's mm -hmm. disappointed. But okay, I completely understand. She respects that denial. Yes. That is so absolutely important and then of course a joke is accomplished understanding a person enough for uh, to select for them an appropriate lie yes um this comic is one of my favorite consent moments in like almost anything any fictional piece i have i have read or seen um because it's such good practices like um like dna expresses concern uh, Becky addresses that concern directly, um, asks respectfully um, for something that she wants for sexual reasons, um, for intimate reasons. Um, and then Dina's like, calls her out on like, like non-respectful behavior beforehand, now that she kind of understands what that was getting at. And Becky like openly apologizes like, yeah, no, that, that was totally a mess up on my part. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm a butt. And then 
Dina like does a little lie, kind of like makes a joke out of it, you know, kind of keeps her from like feeling kind of put on the spot. And then, yeah, Becky hundred percent like respects that consent of like, Oh, and like, like when you don't get what you want, you don't pressure, you don't cajole, you don't like pout or like, you know, like put on that kind of emotional pressure. You just sort of go like, okay, I'm disappointed, but I hundred percent respect that. And yeah, it's why Dina feels safe enough. Why Dina feels respected enough that, yeah, she just full on takes off her hat and like gives that intimacy because like she's in a safe space where she knows her consent is a hundred percent going to be valid, um, valued at all times. <laughs> yep. And of course the next strip has what I call constant development. And this is important because mm -hmm. a lot of people who try to circumvent consent talks about, Oh, do you have to like ask every single time about every single thing? And it's like, no, it doesn't work like that. You establish constant values and then you uh, then you can start as you get to know a person better you start using body language and and th those kind of things and so therefore mm -hmm. you don't have to ask because you will know that they are enthusiastically consenting and like i said in the very next strip the substitute uh, we mm -hmm. see some of that constant development going in which uh, Dina expresses that she would like to put her head back on. And then Becky says, okay, I want to try something. And here it is. She does not ask directly no, but it is very implied that if Dina says no to this, she will back off immediately. Mm -hmm. uh, in full context, that is it is a request nonetheless, even if it's not uh, meant mm -hmm. as a direct question. Mm -hmm. It is... Uh, and then as uh, Dina consents to that trying something and it turns out to be an acceptable substitute and they're so doofuses, aren't they? Yes. And yeah, that's, it's such good consent evolution and it's such good practice of like, it's the request without pressure. So when it's kind of given, it's like, and then it's confirmed, like, you, you definitely get the idea that if um, Becky had kind of hugged the head and Dina had gone real quiet, that Becky would have immediately backed off and been like, okay, never mind. <laughs> and, but you see Dina just like, yeah, okay. Like I leaned my head, like you can, and like the head's leaned over. So you can kind of assume that like Dina kind of partially leaned her head in as a nonverbal sign. And then when Becky kind of hugs her head and kind of puts herself on top of Dina's head, uh, Dina's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I am 100% okay with this, and I am going to state that explicitly. <laughs> That's oh, what yeah. makes them adorable. <laughs> I know. I just, uh, if uh, if Willis makes a Dina and Becky spin-off comic, then I will be perfectly fine with that. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, it's a, a particular aspect about Dina that uh, is that uh, while she doesn't uh, and while she doesn't uh, how should I say it she doesn't intuitively notice a lot of things that uh, the rest of us apparently do uh, like in in facial expressions and things but she does notice things all the time she really does because she was the first one to, um, uh, to actually see that yeah Amber is amazing girl 
she was the first one to notice that because mm -hmm. she actually really takes care to take a look at the world around her and then analyzing it in her own Dina way. But uh, nobody else was anywhere near that, really. Yeah, and um, she's also the first one of any of the cast to really kind of put together that um, Amber is likely struggling with dissociative identity disorder. Um, like in the comic Social Circumstances on July 12th, 2015, she says... Um, like Amber's like, um, I was wearing the mask and going, oh, oh yeah. Amber can get pretty exhausted when she's social and then takes off the mask. I mean, when I'm in social circumstances, it can be pretty exhausting. And her whole facial expression changes when she's like flipping between the altars. And Dina's like, I am thankful. She let come, uh, she carefully labels her personas for my benefit as I sometimes have to uh, trouble distinguishing them. I did not even have to ask. She is so considerate. But like everyone else is kind of, kind of somewhat in the closet about this and kind of like view trying to view it as something else. And like Dean's like, oh yeah, carefully labeled alters. Yep, that makes sense. I am really glad she's doing that for my benefit. Otherwise, I'd be confused. Like I said, it goes to show Dina likes to to notice things about others from her own specific view. And uh, uh, I think that also comes very straightforward in all of the strips with Sarah, which uh, of which there also are quite a few. Mm. Uh, and uh, how Dina do take care to notice things about Sarah that Sarah tries to hide from herself, I feel. And that probably comes most to uh, like the pessimism of, of Sarah, because it really is pessimism of Sarah's part, which we could mm. probably do another episode of. But uh, it will be, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. But uh, one of one of the absolute most favorite Dina moments comes from uh, previously. Like uh, Sarah had said that you ne you may never see Joyce smiling again because Sarah is such a pessimist mm. like that. And then uh, Joyce do come back eventually Sunday evening after having spent uh, uh, after first coming home and then having to go to the emergency room with Ruth and Billy and then finally comes back with Dorothy and as I said in that strip uh, Dorothy is basically therapy there for Joyce nothing mm. short of pure unadulterated therapy uh, just what Joyce needed right then to have to mm. have that lady tide let's lady it up in there that is uh, <laughs> that is what keeps Joyce from. Uh, uh, Joyce from always off. describes things in the most biromantic way possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, and uh, and Dina is of course the person that will remember everything another person has mm -hmm. said to her, mm -hmm. and then she will throw it back in their faces in the most Dina's mm -hmm. way possible. Joyce is smiling. Those are smiles, correct? <laughs> and I mean, she just wants to confirm that she is correct mm -hmm. on that because she still knows that she's not good on facial expressions. And you said the smiles weren't coming back. And maybe she's probably just in denial, Sarah says. But then perhaps there is a surplus of <laughs> denial since you have it. 
please alter your expression so I know to stop clarifying. <laughs> and it's like Dina's not even trying. She's being absolutely 100% serious in this. But at the same time, it is probably the burniest of burns in the history mm -hmm. of Dumbing of Age and probably of all the comics that uh, Willis has ever made in his entire life. Uh, because there's something about being absolutely not meaning to burn per se, but at the same time do giving a result of a burn uh, with the strength of a thousand mm -hmm. suns is uh, absolutely amazing. And nobody but Dina could have accomplished this in the way that yeah. she did. And it's understandable she would burn because like she is absolute like she absolutely if there's one thing that gets under her skin it's statements about the world that are inaccurate especially if they seem to be deliberately inaccurate to sell a particular um way of looking at the world and so like with sarah she knows sarah's just a cynic there's no harm meant in it but when she uh knows that the inaccuracies are malicious she goes completely like she gets super hangry <laughs> and and similar things with uh, with Joyce and Joyce's evolution views uh, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. uh, uh, which she also had one of the most uh, fabulous of burns in the in the strip flu shots uh, yep. April 27 2013 where uh, Joyce uh, uh, mentions that she's getting flu shots every year and then uh why would you need that dean asks and because every year there are new virus strains that you have to get a new flu shot how do you not know this and dina says i do but i just thought you didn't believe in evolution <laughs> boom <laughs> mic drop yeah and also uh let's see i i never found that strip but i'll i do remember when uh, dina was acting as the gatekeeper for access to amber and mm -hmm. uh, Ethan tries to come in and uh, she's like name a proper dinosaur before you come in and first Ethan tries t-rex and then boring and then <laughs> he tries the pterodactyl and then dina prints out material and pushes it <laughs> under the door on how a pterodactyl is not a dinosaur <laughs> yeah um which leads to my one of my favorite most recent comics which is um cobwebs october 13th 2016 and it's during that dina hat arc and it's a very very human very very vulnerable moment for becky and becky runs from anything vulnerable but she trusts dina implicitly like just explicitly even um and so she goes alrighty dina if i'm gonna be a real scientist i gotta start blasting out all these uh creationist cobwebs hanging uh 10 in my brain and dina's like um and so becky's like i'm gonna start listing stuff and you tell me if it's real or not so worldwide flood did that happen floods yes worldwide no did carnivores use to eat plants did did they what? You know, like before sin was in the world, did tigers and stuff eat only fruit? D did they what? No, so that's a no then. Was there a firmament? A firmament? You know, an atmosphere, water canopy, sky sea, 
blocked out cosmic rays, allowing dudes to live to be 900 years old. And then Dina just straight up hugs her head. And like, she's been in increasing distress the entire time. And Becky's like, I kind of assumed this was going to be more traumatic for me. But like, yeah, Dina just like, the idea, the idea that people would have spent so long telling lies to the person she cares most about the person who's her favorite person in the whole world like it genuinely breaks her like she's the saddest in that final strip that she's been in in almost any strip in existence and she's in genuine physical distress over that idea that of how much people have lied to her becky yeah that uh, definitely like there's just some. It it sort of reminds me about uh, about uh, the character Jeremy Clarkson from the Discworld book, The Truth, who mm -hmm, was very mm -hmm. particular about uh, clocks being correct and uh, how he apparently went violent on someone else who used to keep his clock five minutes too fast. A clock that is not accurate is wrong, <laughs> and that probably uh, is very much uh, Dina uh, in a in a. Dina's relations to facts in a nutshell, really. Like, if, yeah. if you're there, getting things wrong, then I'm going to be upset. Yeah, there is no greater sin in Dina's worldview. Like, all the things people view as sins, she's like, meh, meh, meh. But yeah, doing like deliberately misleading someone is like, no, we can never be friends now. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, well, we're starting to run quite a bit long, uh, mm -hmm. I think. So I think I would like to close off with uh, uh, with a strip that basically encapsulates a lot of Dina, uh, uh, like uh, her ways of interacting with people, her mm -hmm. interest in dinosaurs and mm -hmm. everything like that. In just quite a few words, it's the strip Sunni. February 25th, 2016, in which uh, she just goes rarg to surprise Sarah. And Sarah's like, don't you know how to interact with people like a normal human being? <laughs> and, and she's just, no, do you? I hate it when the Velociraptor is right. <laughs> I am a Shenyun Long Sunni. You can tell by my shorter wings. <laughs> that is Dina. Atypical A+. Sympathy via light physical contact, everyone. Yep, or even heavy if any of you would like that. But consent first. Obviously. <laughs>